right, and welcome everybody back for this segment of the MedSoon Over Easy podcast. I am Andy Little, joined by my emo Over Easy co-host, Drew Cano. Good day. Who is making his season two of MedSoon Over Easy debut. Thank or you or not. It's possible that I've already been on an episode that I didn't know about. Yeah. That's what I was that just a, told. Uh, a, coming uh, through the headpiece right now, your piece, oh, you might have, okay, may or may not may be or my may debut. Not. We are joined by Jen and Zach Repenchak. Thanks, guys, for hopping on. And we are going to talk about, I think, a hot topic between the four of us of starting a family in medicine. So there was some pre-episode banter that we're going to leave off the show. But when I pose out the question of what would you tell somebody in terms of starting a family while you're in medical school, residency, or medicine in general, what would you tell them? Find help. I think it's incredibly challenging. I think that if you're practicing medicine, especially emergency medicine, which is shift-based, tends to be all hours, you are going to need some sort of village. And whether that's family or paid help or whatever it is, you need to be ready, especially a lot of times physicians are pretty independent, kind of self-sufficient. And moving to a, I need help and I need to ask for help and I need to have a village of people ready to help me was a pretty big change for me personally. So find help, find it fast. For emergency medicine specifically, we just work such unusual schedules and such irregular shifts. I think that makes your family different from most of the other families on the block who are doing the Monday to Friday thing, home with the kids on the weekends, home after school type of thing. So I think figuring out quickly how you're going to be successful as a family unit while working those type of schedules is going to be a key component to any successful kind of family relationship. Well, you two certainly have the added challenge of trying to make two emergency medicine schedules work. You know, my wife doesn't do emergency medicine. She's currently not working when she was working. I mean, she had a full-time, very demanding job, but there was some control on those hours. And we know in emergency medicine, it's a lot easier to control the time you're not at work than it is to control the days you are actually working, minus the per diem thing that you're doing. Very smart. But that adds a real extra challenge to scheduling and home dynamics. Yeah. When when I thought about this question, it was um, know that having a family comes with a black box warning. And, I'm, and it comes with It'll be the most challenging part of your life and anything you've you've already tackled, school, residency, passing for boards will pale in comparison to managing the lives of other individuals while also trying to be a professional. And so it's not for the faint of heart. It's a lot of work, but it can also be very, very rewarding. So let's kind of get down some of the brass tacks. So when you decide to have kids, Jen and Zach, we're going to, you guys are the couple here. So we're going to get a little deep. When did you guys meet? We met in residency. I was an intern and he was a second year. So I had Ooh. to say yes to the date. This is, <laughs> this is bordering <laughs> on some dangerous territory here. But but yes, I, I definitely uh, used my uh, seniority in residency to pressure her and to give me her phone number once. Like, hey, Jenna, uh, the program asked me to be your mentor and I kind of want your number. And we'll get it some... wasn't dissimilar to that. Oh, oh. Our, our backstory is, is adorable in that I th- think when we first started dating, I was in the surgical ICU and she was on her trauma rotation. So we spent a lot of time um, sleeping during the day and being awake in the hospital together at night. So it's not the usual way that relationships begin, but that's that's where ours 
grew from. Something about the dim lights of a trauma bay slash an ICU. Nothing's uh, more flattering than the harsh glare of the hospital lights. Yeah, the fluorescent lights. Yeah. Just, yeah. They bring out the best. Days. Yeah, and if you will fall in love with somebody who's also wearing scrubs, just like the ones you're wearing, it's meant, meant to work. Matching outfits are always cute on couples. So. so when we think about that, so the answer is you guys met in residency. What was that like finding somebody in residency? Because Drew and I both met our significant others in undergrad and got married before. But Andy, school. I found you in residency. Yeah, that's true. We found each other in yeah. residence. I mean, it was so actually medical school, but yeah. details. Yeah, details. When did you decide to get married? Was it in residency, post-residency? We got married just after I graduated. So we were engaged while I was a third year and he was a first year attending. I think we knew fairly early that we were going to be in it for the long haul. So we moved in together relatively quickly. We got engaged after two years, got married on our third year of dating anniversary. And so we were both attendings when we were married. But I think if a relationship can survive residency, that shows that it's going to be able to survive a lot of things because residency is just a brutal time to be undergoing those sort of emotional changes, I think. So I do think the fact that our, our relationship came out of residency kind of gives it a pretty strong foundation to build upon. Yeah, I know that a lot of people think that couples who are opposites work really well together. And Zach and I clearly are not opposites. We're very much alike. But we have resuscitated patients together. He was the one, he was my senior, even when I was a second year, he taught me how to run codes. He said, do you want this one? You're a second year, are you ready to run a code? And I said, no, you do this one. I'll, I'll watch one more. And so having that relationship inside and outside of work was fantastic. It really helped me get through residency. So we were pretty lucky. I know a lot of people don't have the opportunity to work and work well with their partners, but we did. So when you think about that, you guys got married as attendings and started having kids as attendings. Drew, we're going to move to you because you had kids before residency started and then during residency. So walk us through what that was like. Yeah. So wife not in medicine, but again, was very career oriented and working her way through the architecture design world, which is as crazy as medicine a lot of the time. You know, we had our our son, our first child, um, my fourth year of medical school, and that, that actually worked out great. He was born in February, so we had plenty of time. You know, match, I think, was just about to happen. So we we were going to know where we were. Fortunately, we got to stay in uh, Columbus, Ohio, so we didn't have to move. We didn't have to change houses. We didn't have to do anything. That made life really easy. But we had time to figure out how to be parents before we had to figure out how to be a family with an emergency medicine resident, right? So having a six-month-old is a lot different than having a newborn when you're trying to go through a whole different life change, right? Six months is they can survive for minutes, maybe even an hour without your close attention when they're a newborn. It's a completely different thing. So that was kid one. And then, I mean, I got to tell at least a little bit of the story of kid two because it doesn't really count as as happening in residency. My daughter was born um, early by a couple weeks on um, the last night shift, the last shift I ever worked in the emergency department at three in the morning. And I got a vocero, which for those of you that don't use it is a, essentially a phone, but like a, a Star Trek walkie talkie type thing from the um, OB charge nurse saying, Hey, Dr. Kellner, sorry to bother you, but your wife's progressing a lot quicker than we thought. And you probably should come upstairs right now. I'm eating a cold piece of pizza in the break room in between seeing patients. And I went out to my attending and intern 
who was with me and I said, sorry, dudes. I'll See ya. Be, I'll be back at some point. I think this one's going to get transferred, but they're fine. And everyone else, you can just like, figure out. Literally discharge. It'll be it'll be good. And disappeared for like five, six hours, and then came back and transferred a patient. And then I was no longer a resident anymore. Yeah, and then I had kids in all four phases. So I had a kid in undergrad, four months before med school started. I had a kid between second and third year. My daughter Savannah was born. I remember she was born, and then I took step two. Or I took step one three days later. And then took you assembly the next week, and then we moved to our clinical site. So not a lot of time to prep having a newborn before having to move. Yeah, so you did exactly what I said. You, sh- you should not, not do, do. You should right? not like, do. So, so as, like, as we're giving advice and somebody's listening, yeah, yeah. they're thinking, should I have a kid and then immediately move? The answer is always no. I'm going to go with the six months yeah. answer. And then my uh, Tanner was born during intern year, so October of intern year. So I got to be an intern for f- four months before he was born. And my last one was born as an attending, Joey. And like Drew, I was actually at work when my wife went labor in. And it was the funny thing. I walked her upstairs to labor and delivery. We got things started. And then I also got a call that said, hey, Dr. Little, she's progressing a little quicker than you should probably get up here. And I had to sign up my entire half of the department to my partner. Luckily, it was my program director. I was like, hey, Bill. Yeah, so they, they I need to get upstairs. And he was just like, get out of here. It's all good. And I was like, okay, sweet, sweet. And so went and had baby number four. They all four were hard. It's always people always ask like, when was the best time to have a kid? None of them were good times. I will say that the last two were probably easier just from the perspective of we were farther down the pathway. It was a little less stressful. Some other things in life had already worked itself out. And we were also closer to support for the last two than we ever were for the first two. And I love when you guys brought it up as you need to have some support because having kids when you live hours away from family, you're isolated, you're in med school where I was gone most of the time. My kid was home with my wife by themselves. It's just hard. Just hard. Like there's no way to say it other than it's difficult. So I guess the question is, is that if you're going to give advice to a medical student who's thinking about having kids, let's ask the medical student question first. What would you tell them to do? I know we talked a little bit about it before, but now that we've all shared our experience. I think that probably my guess would be that medical school would be a slightly easier time to do it than residency. So if you're a medical student and you have the support system that you need and you are intentionally planning to start a family, I think it's probably a pretty reasonable time to do it. Again, as long as you just anticipate the how hard it's going to be. I, I think that probably I would have preferred if I had gotten to choose between medical school and residency, I would have chosen medical school from a impact on my life and career and all of that. So I don't think it's unreasonable at all to have a kiddo during medical school if you have the support system. Yeah, those early days are the, and as you guys have kind of already alluded to, that when they're really little are the days that we found to be by far the most challenging, the sleepless nights, the kind of irregularity of what a new baby and a a really young child, what their life is like. Uh, You just have to factor in that, that you're not going to have sleep, right? You're not going to be on any sort of normal circadian schedule. So when you're considering what phase in your life you want to start a family, just know the, the immediate aftershocks of, of that kid coming into the world are going to pretty drastically affect the way you live your life, at least for the foreseeable future. So I'm, Putting that out as a as a caution, anyone thinking about it that that those early days aren't going to be easy. So don't think, well, when the baby's sleeping, I'll, that's when I'll get my studying in because you're not going to be able to plan for things like that. I don't think you can't plan for them at all. I think to me, it 
clearly not being the female, right? I mean, because that is a whole different dynamic when having a newborn. But it's really about where you're at in your life outside of schooling and, and residency. So two people in medical school together thinking about having a child is a lot different conversation than a one medicine, one not medicine. But I think age has a lot to do with it too. I mean, I'm going to get real. And I think all three of you talking with me feel the same way. It is harder and harder to not get sleep, not get regular sleep, get your sleep schedule thrown off, get woken up in the middle of the night because my six-year-old sometimes still wakes up in the middle of the night on a night that I thought I was going to get seven plus hours of sleep. And it, I could do this when I was in my 30s. In my 40s, it's a lot harder. And that has to be part of it too. So some of it is just where you're at in your life. I started medical school after having a previous career. So my wife and I were a little bit older. So us having children earlier in the timeline is what worked for us because, gosh, if I was having my second kid now, I, I honestly don't know if I could do it. In fact, I will I'll be very real with the audience. Every once in a while, I have nightmares about us having a third kid. I mean, nightmares, nightmares, waking up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night, thinking about having to wake up for a baby. I do not know why. I don't know if my biological clock is about to expire or something like that, but it is a nightmare thinking about having to do that. But five years ago, I wouldn't have felt that way at all. It didn't because we had a one-year-old. Yeah, I actually love that Drew brings that up because I, I found when we just, when you decide to have kids, it's actually less about the career side of it. And that might sound weird, but are you are you with the right person? Do you have the right set of social and other support systems? Are you mature enough to, to be a parent? Because there is a level of maturity that's required to successfully do this. I mean, the answer is no. I mean, the answer is no. And then also, like, how is your ability at handling the uncertainty of what comes with a kid to where, I mean, I remember multiple times in medical school where I'd get a call that my son's at daycare because my wife was working and I'd have to leave school to go pick him up because he had a fever and my wife was at work and she was an hour plus away. And so guess who got to figure out how to do class remotely and go to a small group with a, with a one-year-old in tow? This guy did. And so it's just some of those things you don't think about at the moment um, when you do it because you're like, oh, we're going to have kids and everything's going to be fine and I'll work out. And it doesn't have to be a disaster. It can actually be something that makes sense if all the other factors are in play. Because med school and residency are both hard, but they're not the hardest part of that equation in terms of having kids. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think oh, our, I our, <laughs> you always do. our planning was that we both were attendings when we finally decided to have kids. We both had jobs in Philadelphia. We had a house, right? So we wanted to make sure we had that structure of stability before we added munchkins to the pot. So medical school where I didn't know after medical school where I was going to go to residency. I wasn't like, I need to stay in this city or that city. And even after residency, well, by the time I became engaged to my current wife now, I knew I wanted to stay in Philadelphia. But prior to us getting together, I didn't necessarily know I was going to stay in Philadelphia after residency. So I think it's that there has to be that that level of structure, stability, support, all the things you just mentioned. Those were all factors that we used to make the decision when we wanted to start our family. One of the things that I'll comment on as the woman at the table is you lucky gentlemen can go on having children forever and uh, we get stale. So that's a really huge factor in making this decision and thinking about when you are going to have children. And there's plenty of research out there that shows that female physicians have higher rates of infertility. They have higher risk of miscarriage and complications, you know, everything else being equal. And as a woman, you have to take that into consideration. And so it's definitely different as a woman physician trying to make those decisions because residency, having a kid in residency is 
incredibly challenging. And I would, having only done it as an attending, but having many female friends who have done it at all stages, it seems to me that having a child during residency is probably the most challenging in terms of managing your schedule. You have to get a certain number of rotations in. You have to make up your time outside of your FMLA and doing all of that. But if you wait, especially if you're in a specialty that is not emergency medicine or you do a fellowship, you know, you're looking at four, five, six, seven years of not having a child and our clock is ticking. So that's kind of adds even more complicated discussion to the mix. Yeah. And and I would add from a from a program support standpoint, three of the people at the table here are APDs. If it ever crosses your mind that you want to have a baby in residency and you're a female resident, have the baby. Like there are laws in place that require your program to give you time off. Yes, you might have to delay graduation a couple months to make up for the months you're going to miss, but have the kid. Well, yeah, I think the point the point is you have to make sure the other things we talked about are in place, but don't worry about the program. Don't worry about the program. Right, right. The the program will figure out how to support you. You do not have to figure out how to support the program, right? So make sure that your life is in order, male, female, whatever, to have a kid and and to be fair, we're talking about birthing, but adopting, I mean, there's a lot of scenarios out there, but absolutely, Andy, you're 100% right, which is do not worry about the program. It's the program's job to support you. So as you think about like maybe if you could give a looking back, what was one thing that you did when you got married, had a kid that you could go back and redo differently, what would it be as we close out? Uh, I love being a parent. It's It's been the most rewarding thing I've done in my life period, hands down. I love it. I think that I would have gotten more help. I would have tried to have more childcare coverage, tried to convince family to move closer sooner than we did, and just really asked for the help that we needed. And we did a lot of just barely keeping our heads above water. And there are still days where we are just keeping our heads above water. But having really honest discussions of what do we need to do to not just survive, but to thrive and we're still having those conversations. We're still figuring it out. But we've really, I think in the past few years, made more steps to thriving. And, you know, a lot of having a newborn is just surviving. And so asking for help and anticipating the help that you need and bringing in as much support as you can, I think would have been the thing that I maybe would have tried to be a little bit more proactive about. And we learned, I think, with the second daughter, we were much better at about being proactive and asking for help and setting up our schedules and setting up childcare and things like that. I mean, we kind of had to because there was another one at home that also needed to be looked after. But that was definitely a place where where I think we learned from and, and improved the second time around. No pride. No pride. Gravel for help. Yep. Yep. It's the rep and check way. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because to me, it's the, the, the tip would be is don't be afraid to ask because there are numerous people that are just waiting for the opportunity to help you. And that was something that I found out with baby number three and baby number four was just asking family members that we initially felt kind of awkward asking for. I was amazed that when we asked, they said, we've been waiting to help you. They were appreciative that we finally asked because they were looking for the right time and didn't want to overstep bounds. But there are people willing to help you with this. People want you to be successful, whether it's family and friends. So just ask for the help early because you'll be surprised how many people will just kind of bend over backwards to give it to you. Yeah, I would have liked more time off in the early days. Our our department has a much uh, more liberal and supportive 
parental leave policy now than when we had our kids. But um, I probably, if I couldn't do, do it all over again to answer your question, would have found a way to get a little bit more time that I didn't have to work early on to give Jen support and also just to spend time with the kids. Yeah. And I think maybe another tip it would be is that find those times that you would either over-prepare for something or maybe don't go to that extracurricular activity. Like just say, hey, I'm going to take a 90-day break from doing anything that's not required. Just be home with your baby. I still think about how I have a six-month-old and he still is a little bit of a baby, but he's acting more and more like a big kid. And I just, I actually miss the baby days. And I look back and I kick myself for days. I'm like, ah, you're fine. You'll be good. And now it's like, oh man, I wish I could. (laughs) No, 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 and no. Well, Jen and Zach, we appreciate you hopping on this episode about families and medicine and how, again, if you're a listener, I I don't know if we gave you any hard, concrete answers, but hopefully at least got you thinking about how you can better prepare or make better decisions about starting a family in whatever phase of medicine you're in. Don't forget, if you want to learn more about the Med Student Over Easy podcast, you can head on over to emovereasy.com and hit the tab under Med Students. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Well, thanks for making it all the way to the end of that Med Student Over Easy episode. Don't forget, you can follow us on social media, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or head on over to our blog, emovereasy.com. Also, don't forget, we are the official podcast for the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. You can learn more about this great organization by heading to acoep.org, where you can find about an upcoming CME event where you might get to see a few of your EM Over Easy hosts live and in person for a show. Until next time, thanks so much. Thank you.